is a Kansas memory, the Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast, featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in our collection. The slavery issue, whether Kansas would enter the Union as a free or slave state, dominated territorial politics. Since federal laws applied in Kansas before statehood, it was legal for settlers to own slaves in the territory. But there were abolitionists who defied these laws and helped slaves escape from their owners, using the informal network called the Underground Railroad. This podcast will feature a wanted poster for runaway slaves, a poster urging free staters to resist a U.S. Marshal hunting runaway slaves, and the narrative of a Kansas settler who helped a female slave escape. Oh, run, run, bone, rock, run, dry, angels above. Oh, run, run, bone, run, bright, angels above. Once free state settlers gained control of Kansas government, slaves in Missouri viewed escaping Kansas territory as a way to freedom. This wanted poster was used to try to locate two male slaves who had fled their owner in Missouri. $200 reward. Ran away from a subscriber living in Saline County on the fourth instant. Two Negro men named Jim and Jack, each aged about 25 years. Jim is dish-faced, has sore eyes and bad teeth, is of a light black or brown color, speaks quick, is about 5 feet 7 inches high, had on when last seen blue cotton pants, white shirt, white full coat, and new custom-made boots. Jack had on the same kind of clothing with shoes, has a very small foot, wears perhaps a number six shoe, and has heavy tacks in the heels, is about the same height and color of Jim. They are doubtless aiming for KT. A reward of $100 each will be given if taken outside of the state, or $50 each if taken in the state outside of Saline County. G.D. Williams, Spring Garden Post Office, Pettis County, Missouri, Harrisonville, Missouri, June 7, 1860. The settlers of territorial Kansas included people who were opposed to slavery. Section 9 of the Kansas Territorial Law that regulated slavery imposed a sentence of two years imprisonment at hard labor for refusing to aid an officer attempting to arrest runaway slaves. However, in 1860, a poster printed in Lawrence urged the residents to resist the efforts of Deputy U.S. Marshal Leonard Arms to enter their homes searching for runaways. Citizens of Lawrence, L. Arms, a Deputy U.S. Marshal, has come into your midst for the avowed purpose of Negro hunting and is watching your houses by his piratical minions night and day and will enter and search them for victims. Know your rights and stand to them. He has no right thus to invade your castles. Do we live on the Guinea coast or in a free America? The Eldridge House is the headquarters of the gang. Mark them well. The last document we will share is an early oral history, reminiscences provided by John Armstrong to Zoo Adams, an early employee of the Kansas State Historical Society. John Armstrong settled first in Douglas County and later moved to Shawnee County. He described his involvement in the Underground Railroad and his assistance to an escaping slave named Ann Clark. 
The first slave I took out of Kansas was a woman. She got away from her master and came up to Howard's, who lived about two miles southeast of Topeka, stayed there about five or six weeks. Then some pro-slavery men from Deer Creek found that she was there and took her back to Lecompton for the reward. One or two of Edward's boys was with the party that returned her. They lived on the Shungananga near Frank Dawson's. They were from Missouri, I think. Howard had no chance to get the woman onto the Underground Railway. Her name was Ann Clark. She was about 40 or 45 years old, weighed about 175 pounds, medium color. When they got her back to Lecompton, it was about evening. They sent out in the country for Clark to come in and pay the reward. Anne went out in the kitchen to clean herself up. By this time it was pretty dark and she was studying how to get away. They had given her some cakes to eat and she put some of these in her budget. The men were in a frolic, had been drinking some. The women only were watching her, but she kept on the watch herself for a chance to escape and, finally seizing an opportunity when they were off guard, ran out of the kitchen and up a ravine which was situated near where the foundations of the state house is in Lecompton. They came out and hunted for, coming very near her. When it became light enough, she followed the ravine up, southeast, and came out onto the top of the hill on the edge of the prairie. Being now daybreak, she could see all about and took her bearings. She finally saw a man coming along the road southwest of Lecompton and running east towards Lawrence. Finally, she found that he was Dr. Barker, a neighbor of G.W. Clark, who owned her jointly with Colonel Titus. She asked him to take her to his house and help her to get free. He told her to go farther south, to walk down the ravine and come up back of his house. He kept her at his house a day or two, hitched up his team, put in several comforts, covered her over, and took her down towards Lawrence, to the house of the father-in-law of George Earl, who brought her up to me at Topeka, to the residence of Mrs. Scales. We kept her there for about six weeks at our house, while I made arrangements to take her to Iowa. We started in the very last days of February, 1857, and I was gone three weeks. I had several letters from her afterwards. In preparation for our journey to Iowa, I got a closed carriage of Reverend Burgess, who lives now on the place partially owned by James Harvey, near the asylum. The span of mules I got from another place. I had to raise money to pay the expenses. From Governor C. Robinson, $10, Major Abbott, $5, Colonel Ritchie, $5. The rest were dollar subscriptions from various parties, $70 in all. The road was about this way. We went first to Rochester, to Bowker in the night. The next stopping place would be Holton, at Smith's or at Reynolds, who lived about a mile west of Holton on the creek. Another place was five miles north of Holton, where Brown was caught at the Battle of the Spurs. In crossing that creek, I got stuck and had to get the woman out of the buggy. This was on the Jim Lane Road. On my way up that first time, I followed the track of Caggy, who had started out three weeks before me to visit his father. Another place where we used to stop was George Graham's, afterwards state treasurer, on Pony Creek, New Albany.
The slavery issue kept Kansas territory in political turmoil during the years leading up to the Civil War. Specific incidents, such as the ones described in this podcast, make it clear the conflict was about more than just politics. Settlers like John Armstrong, or those encouraged to defy Leonard Arms, felt compelled by their consciences to assist fugitive slaves. But they also knew they ran the risk of losing their own freedom, and possibly their lives. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society Library and Archives podcast. The documents used in this podcast are part of Territorial Kansas Online, a virtual repository of primary sources from the Bleeding Kansas era. The URL for the website is www.territorialkansasonline.org.